Welcome to another Dulas Deliberation. I'm Levi Bimba, and today we're going to talk about the abortion idol. Now, as I now as I've said before in a previous episode on the degradation of culture, we have a culture that is degrading. The reason, the primary reason that it is degrading, is because there is no fear of God. There's no fear of final judgment. There's no fear of having to give an accounting for your sins, as Hebrews nine tells us. So when you have a culture that is completely disregarded God and disregarded his law and disregarded the truth of of Christ as Lord and as Savior, anything goes. And that includes the murder of children within the womb. And we have a indicative uh, example of that in the valedictorian Paxton Smith of a couple of weeks ago, who gave a speech at Lake Highlands. Uh, uh, high school in Dallas, Texas, to discuss the new heartbeat bill that was just passed in Texas. And I want to go through her little uh, speech. I think it was only about two or two minutes, two and a half minutes long. So I want to go through the speech and comment on it as she goes along. And you'll see the the seeds of uh, fearlessness of God. You'll see a uh, postmodern uh, interpretation even of what she is, or at least a, po- a postmodern indication of what she's saying and how she and how she thinks. Now, this is supposedly the the smartest girl, or at least one of these smartest girls in, in that high school since she was awarded valedictorian. And she seems well-spoken and, and uh, very smart. But again, intelligence does not mean you have wisdom. Wisdom only comes, and knowledge only comes with a fear of the Lord, which this girl clearly does not have by virtue of the speech that she gave. So let's take a listen in and we'll see what she what she says and how she reasons regarding abortion. As we leave high school, we need to make our voices heard. Today, I was going to talk about TV and media and content because it's something that's very important to me. However, under light of recent events, it feels wrong to talk about anything but what is currently affecting me and millions of other women in the state. So I just want to stop right there and talk about a couple of things she said. The first one, she says it feels wrong. Now, that seems like a casual phrase that we hear all the time. And I think I may have even used it. And I don't want to keep using that phrase. And I think it's an incorrect phrase and Christians ought not to, to talk like that. Well, when she says it feels wrong, that's exactly how people have now or really are forced to operate. Because when you disregard any objective standard of morality, when you disregard the law of God, then you just go based on how you feel and what you think. And people who are even on the right side of abortion are still using that kind of feel good argument when it comes to abortion. Doesn't it feel wrong to you to murder children or doesn't it feel wrong to to snuff out children in the womb and to not allow them to have life. All these things are not centered on what should or should not be centered on what feels wrong. It should be centered on what is wrong. And the Bible tells us clearly what sin is. First John three, four says sin is a transgression of the law. So anything that transgresses God's law that goes against his law, that is sin. And that is wrong. We don't need some of these feelings to interpret what is right or wrong for us because we have the truth already given to us in the word of God. That's what we're vastly lacking in this culture. We're lacking truth over feelings. Today is more so feelings over truth. And she says also that this is currently affecting her and millions of other women in the state. I don't know how 
it could be affecting her unless she's vacillating whether or not she wants to abort her child. As far as I know, she's not pregnant. But obviously, because she's a woman, she knows that this is going that she may have to face this choice at some point in life, which just, again, is a shocking thing to think about that a woman in high school is already thinking about having to come having to having to make the decision at some point in her future whether or not she's going to abort her child because we don't even want to think about not having sex, not fornicating, not engaging in promiscuity. We just want to do what we want to do and and these children that happen to that happen to uh, appear in our wounds just have to suffer the consequences of being snuffed out. Let's continue and listen on to what she has to say. Recently, the heartbeat bill was passed in Texas. Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. So she says that the heartbeat bill, which is the bill that was passed in Texas, she says in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. Now, So I went and read the bill and it's kind of hard to read and it's kind of dry reading, but the suffice it to say the bill just restricts abortions to at most six weeks which is when the heartbeat can be detected of a child so if you have a child whose heartbeat can be detected you can no longer abort it and when you look at the rest of the bill uh, it talks about how only the physician the visit the physician that does the abortion he or she can be fined but there's no criminal there's no criminal liability and you think about that it's like whoa so this is really just a civil issue. There's no penalization of the mother or or the father in this case or, or anybody to hold them criminally liable for killing for for killing the unborn the unborn child. So it's only that the physician can be fined at somewhere up around up to ten thousand dollars or so for for killing the child. So that's not even a serious uh, issue, even in the bill itself. And then it also has no exceptions for rape or incest, but it only says that because in the bill itself, it says there's emergency contraceptives available at certain public or private agencies. So even if you do get raped and you do have or you do engage in an in incest, you can still go get emergency contraceptives to stuff out the life of a child or to at least prevent pregnancy from even taking place a day or two or three days after the the rape took place or, or the incestuous event took place. And I, I want to talk about the the likelihood or the reasons real quickly around abortion. According to the Guttmacher Institute, which is an uh, institute that was founded back in the late 60s to, to, to study women's health and women's reasons for giving abortion, and they did surveys back in 1987 and 2004 regarding the reasons that women give for abortion. And I want to read some of these reasons and give you the percentages. And, I've, and some of these are overlapping, which is why the percentages won't all add up to 100 percent, because, you know, women gave multiple reasons for the abortion itself. But the number one reason for an abortion was not rape. It was not incest. It was not some uh, kind of um, it wasn't some kind of uh, tragic event that women gave to murder their children the re number one reason in 1987 and in 2004 for abortion was 
having a baby would dramatically change my life. That was the number one reason. And I think every single mother who has ever given life to a child would say that that is exactly what takes place. That's the part of having a baby. To think that you're going to have a baby and your life won't dramatically change is, is just foolish. Obviously, a baby changes your life. It's supposed to. I mean, it's a huge responsibility, even as Paxton Smith will later on say in her speech. But some of the other reasons they gave was this would interfere with their education. Um, They already have other children that they're taking care of. They don't want another one. They can't afford a baby right now. They're unmarried. I'm unemployed. Uh, Another reason they gave was my husband or partner is unemployed or they don't want to be a single mother, a single mother or or they're having relationship problems. So you don't even get down to rape or incest until you get down to. Uh, the bottom of the list and the fact that a mother is a victim of rape is 1% of the abortions that take place. That's it. And then for incest, it's less than a half percent. So the vast majority, 99% of all abortions that take place in this country are just because women don't want to deal with the child. Pretty much. They don't want to, they, they just don't want to uh, raise another child. So, and some of these reasons on here are, are just completely horrible from the male perspective. My husband or partner wants me to have an abortion. I mean, how tragic is that? That your husband is encouraging you to go murder your baby because he doesn't want to deal with it. And again, women and men are are similar because they're both sinners. So they both have an issue of pride and, and want to do their own thing and don't want children getting in their way of fulfilling in their, their, their goals or dreams or aspirations. So rape is not even a serious issue when it comes to abortion. It's all about just wanting to have sex and not have to deal with the consequences of it, namely having to raise a child and care for it and love and love the child and, 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 and be held responsible for what happens with that child. And again, going back to rape, I think the Bible is clear on rape. Wait, and I think the Bible values women far more than society does today, because in terms of rape, in Deuteronomy 22, verses 25 to 26, God says to to the Jews, he says, But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. So if a man finds a damsel, finds a, 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 a engaged woman in the field, and he rapes her, God is saying only the man should die. And he continues in verse 26 where he says, But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. So even though the woman doesn't die, from being raped, even though many of them do die after they've been raped because they get killed by the perpetrator. But God is saying if a woman gets raped, that is equal. That is tantamount to somebody literally dying in their sin or or not dying in their sin, but dying because of the sin of another. So God is saying that if a woman gets raped, you need to kill the man because that's equal to the, that man killing somebody else, even though he didn't kill the woman. So because the woman's sexuality, the woman's worth is that valuable in the eyes of God that death should be brought on the man that violates her sexuality, that violates her, her innocence. And I think that's important to see that even though we live in a society that 
claims to value women and, and even abortion is, is, is given as a so, quote unquote woman's right to choose because we value women so much. We want them to be able to choose to murder their children when that's actually the opposite of what we want to do. Because again, many of the children in the womb that get killed are other women, the other young women who just have, haven't come out of the womb yet. So how can you claim to value women when you're giving them the, the right to kill other women? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And then when it comes to incest, even that was given the death penalty. In Leviticus 20.11, it says, And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So if you lie with a family member, you ought to die in God's eyes. And then in another passage of scripture, it talks about how the person who lies with his sister or her brother or whatever, they're under a curse. And that curse, I think, was the was that curse ended up in death. So let's continue here with uh, Paxton's speech. Six weeks. That's all women get. And so before they realize, most of them don't realize that they're pregnant by six weeks. So before they have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy, before they have the chance to decide if they can take on the responsibility of bringing another human being into the world, that decision is made for them by a stranger. You can hear the, the fear and trepidation, trepidation in her voice. Now, some of that may be because she's giving a speech in front of thousands of people. But the other thing is you can tell that she's fearful and she's emotionally distraught because this right to kill children is be, it may be taken away from her. Not even that she'll be penalized or she'll be sent to prison, but the physician that does the abortion on her will be held liable and not even sent to prison, but just fined. So she's not really in any danger. If God forbid she has, she gets pregnant and wants to abort her baby in Texas, she has, she will have no problem with it. She's not going to be hurt by it at all. Other than the fact that she'll just have to go somewhere else to another state and get her baby killed. But again, she, this goes, this goes back to her just, completely ignoring how children are brought into the world through sexual intercourse. And in this case, more so through fornication, you know, sex outside of marriage. And she has complete control over that. She said six weeks is all women get. They can't even have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy. The decision to end a baby's life is not justified by how prepared the woman is. That's not how that works. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Women are not dumb. Men are not dumb. When they engage in sex, they know that there's the potential to have a baby. So to pretend that you don't know all or you you don't know that that may happen to you and you don't realize and you don't think or you're saying that your emotions and your physique and your and your financial stability are are not uh, able to care for the child then why not keep yourself from having sex to begin with in the first place but of course that's just that's ridiculous that's out of that's outside of reason everybody just everybody has sex so there's no point in stopping that and that's where the mindset is today but the ideal that god has laid down matters because in genesis 2 24 god says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become uh, one flesh. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. 
So that's what happens. You know, you want God's ideal is a man and a woman. They get married. They keep themselves pure before they get married and they engage in sexual intercourse they, and the joys and the pleasures that come with that. And out of that comes a child or two or three or five or six or seven. Like there is there is in those large families. So that that ideal is there so that when it comes to the emotional and physical and financial strain that children will and do have on many on many people or on I would say on everybody. I mean, obviously there are some people that have loads of money that really don't feel a financial strain. Uh, but there's still that emotional and physical strain on the woman and the men who are there to help out and 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 and, and care for the child. It, it's to be done together. You're to do it as a team so that all the strain isn't put on the woman. And that's and that's why we listen to God's law, because he knows best the way he created the world and the way he especially created marriage and family. We should do it according to his law and his way, because his way is best, because he knows best. He knows more than we do. But when you don't have a fear of God, you don't care about his way. and You just want to do it your way. And you want your feelings to be realized regardless of your own choices and, and the consequences that ensue. I am glad that she mentioned that the what is inside the woman is, quote, another human being. I think she just undercutted her own her own argument with this abortion speech that she gave. But, yeah, that is another human being coming out into the world that you will have to take care of. And it is a huge responsibility. That's true. First Samuel three, 13 through 14, God tells, uh, Samuel, uh, telling, um, uh, reiterating to Samuel that he told Eli that he says, quote, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. And therefore, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. So because Eli refused to restrain his children who were, who were doing evil and made themselves vile, God held him accountable and punished his household forever. And so, again, bringing children into the world, huge responsibility not to be taken lightly, which is why you should restrain yourself from committing sin in fornicating and bringing children into the world with people you're not married to, because that's the ideal is to not do that. Now, is there forgiveness? Is there grace? And is, and is there, um, is there help when you do that by, by God's grace? Of course. And we thank God for that because we all sin. We've all fallen short. So we all need, we all need grace. We all need repentance or else, you know, without it, we die and go to hell. But again, the ideal is you keep yourself pure. You marry, your wife, your husband, you have children with him or her, and you guys raise them together as a team. She continues here. A decision that will affect the rest of their lives is made by a stranger. I have dreams and hopes and ambitions. Every girl graduating today does. And we have spent our entire lives working towards our future. And without our input and without our consent, our control over that future has been stripped away from us. And again, we go back to the control issue. The control lies in the choices you make, particularly who you fornicate with. If you choose to lay down with somebody you're not married to and engage in sexual intercourse, engage in fornication, 
and a child results of because of that fornication, it does not make sense. It is illogical and it is evil to murder the child because you made a poor choice. That does not your poor choice does not justify the murder of innocent human beings. It just does not work that way. That's not how God ordered his world. That's against God's law. You don't punish the child who had nothing to do with your sin other than the result of your sin. There are innocent party in this. They don't deserve to die because of this. The control has always been in the woman's hand. If you choose to lay down and again, this is barring rape or incest. We're talking about, we're not talking about forcible sexual assault on a woman. We're talking about a woman who knowingly, willingly, cheerfully lays down with her partner, lays down with another man in fornication and has a child. The responsibility is on her. Whatever hopes and dreams and aspirations that she had for her future, when she engages in sex outside of marriage, it is a sin and killing the child does not cover up that sin. It only will make Judgment Day that much more embarrassing and hell that much more hot. Unless she repents and puts her trust in Christ and Christ will forgive her and forgive the man and, and they will have complete and whole fellowship with God. And that's the and that's the beauty of the gospel. Even in the most heinous of crimes and of sins, there is grace and there is hope and there is forgiveness if the sinner is willing to repent and put their faith in Christ. Yeah, she continues here. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. I hope that you can feel how gut-wrenching that is. I hope you can feel how dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy over your own body taken away from you. Again, she's equating contraceptives failing with raping. And I don't see why she's doing this. She's doing this other than that her mind is darkened. Contraceptives are something that people use by choice. Somebody who gets raped was not engaging in the intercourse or sexual intercourse for pleasure. They literally were being forced. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I think if you are a rapist, you ought to be given the death penalty. And there should be no no leniency for somebody who does something so grievous against another woman. And that's the value that all of us should have when it comes to women who are raped. We should want True justice is that is the man being put to death because that's that's the standard of God. That's the standard of God's law. But then this child doesn't deserve death for the sinful choice of the mother, the father or both of them. And she says this is gut wrenching. This is dehumanizing. I'm saying that's exactly what happens with a baby being murdered in the womb. You are literally ripping their guts out, wrenching their guts out. You're dehumanizing them and you're just treating them as if they're. Literally chopped liver, chopped body parts for sale, like we saw with the Delighted investigation that revealed that, that body parts are being sold by some Planned Parenthood providers and some other abortion providers. But she says in her in that last part of the quote, she says to have the autonomy of your body taken away from you. That's what she says is dehumanizing. And that's really what this is all about. It's all it's about autonomy. And if you remember from. One of my previous episodes where we talked about what autonomy is and autonomy comes from two Greek words. The first word being autos, which means you know, self and then namos means law. So 
She wants to be a law unto herself. She does not want to put herself under anybody's control, anybody's um, anybody's rule. But she is, whether she likes to or not. Jesus has a parable where he talks about how there's a nobleman that leaves the city for or leaves his country for a while. And he'll be returning soon and leaves servants in charge. And the citizens send a message to the guy. And in Luke 19, 14, it says that we will not have this man to reign over us. And that is a cry of every sinner. We will not have Christ to reign over me. We will not have Christ reign over us. We want to do whatever we want. We want to do whatever we would like to do. Whatever is right in our own eyes, as the book of Judges says, we just want to do whatever will make us happy, whatever pleases us. And we don't want anybody coming along and telling us or trying to prevent us from engaging in doing the things that we want to do because we are a law unto ourselves, And that's what you see coming out of Paxson Smith's mouth in this speech. She's a law unto herself and she does not deserve to have anything get in her way of fulfilling her hopes, her dreams and her desires. And I'm talking about this today, on a day as important as this, on a day honoring 12 years of hard academic work, on a day where we are all gathered together, on a day where you are most inclined to listen to a voice like mine, a woman's voice, to tell you that this is a problem, and it's a problem that cannot wait. And I cannot give up this platform to promote complacency and peace when there is a war on my body and a war on my rights, a war on the rights of your mothers, a war on the rights of your sisters, a war on the rights of your daughters. We cannot stay silent. Thank you. And you hear the crowd's applause. And she says, this is a war on the right of her. On the, on, this is a war on her body and on her rights. And really the war is on the right to murder babies. Or, I mean, the war it really is not on the right to murder babies. It's hardly on the right to murder babies. What really is going on is a genocide on the lives of unborn babies who for the so-called complacency and peace of the mothers are slaughtered, are slaughtered in the womb. And that's what's going on. There's no war going on in her rights or on her body. There's never been a war going on on her rights and on her body in the in the pro-life issue and the in the minds of people who want to preserve the lives of children nobody wants to to take away her her freedom if she does things that are right we're just saying you can't you know do whatever you want to do within the limits of the law but don't think that you have the right to go on and kill other people that's what we're saying, because if somebody were to go and kill Paxton Smith, we would want justice done for her. We would want that murderer caught and killed. It's the same thing going on in the life of a pro-life a pro, a pro person. You are killing people in the womb and you think that you have that right, though, though the country has given that right over to women to slaughter children in the womb. That right has not been given by God and has never been given by God and will never be given by God. I think. As a Christian, when you read the Bible, you, it's clear that God hates abortion. It's, hate, it's clear that God hates the murder of the innocent. That's, and I think that's one of the six things the Lord hates is hands that shed innocent blood. And if you think that you are going to get away with that, it, it's just not going to happen. 
The Bible is clear. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There is nothing that God will not render justice for, whether in this life or in the next life, whether you are, whether this country ever overturns its abortion policies and starts putting to death the physicians and the mothers and the fathers who are engaged in this uh, is something that we probably will never see, uh, not the way that this culture is going. To know that, that, that those, those physicians and those mothers and those fathers will stand trial at the final judgment and have to give an account for the sins that they've done, that definitely will take place. And justice definitely will be served for the millions of children who have been systematically slaughtered just for the, just for the complacency and the peace of the woman who knowingly laid down with the man engaged in fornication and even some cases, married women get abortion. They just don't want to deal with another child. And how tragic is that to have a mother who, who, or to have a woman who's already a mother and still wanting to abort her child? I mean, that's, this is sad. And it's, and it's indicative of where we are today when the softest, most kind, I would say, gender is women. Women generally are softer, kinder. Are equal are more sensitive to the needs of others and more willing to help those in need, just on a, the way that God made them. And now they are the ones who are at the forefront of this war to make sure that they retain their right to murder their children as they see fit. I mean that it's terrible. It's really a terrible sign for America, and it has been for for decades now. So I want to end this this uh, do loss deliberation with a quote from uh, Pastor John MacArthur when he was preaching about abortion. He says this quote: "This is all about immorality. This is all about people being free to have sex with whoever they want, whenever they want, with the elimination of any unwanted implication. Having an abortion is not a health choice. It's a sin choice. It has to do with freedom to live." immorally end quote and that's exactly what this abortion argument is all about it's not about saving it's not about trying to rectify some form of justice for the woman who's been raped or has or for those who are are engaging in incest this is all about a woman being free to live and to have sex with whoever she wants and not have to worry about the unwanted implication of that intercourse and of that fornication. And again, this go, and I want to make clear that even though abortion is heinous and it, and it is evil and it, and it is a sin that many have died and gone to hell for, it is not an unforgivable sin. So if you have engaged in an abortion or if you know somebody who has engaged in an abortion, the mother or a father or a, a doctor, whoever it may be, I want you to know that there is freedom or there is freedom from that sin. There is forgiveness for that sin. If you are willing to come to Christ, if you are willing to repent of your sin and turn away from that sin and say, Lord, I was wrong to get that abortion. I was wrong to engage in that heinous act. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. The good news is that Jesus says that if anyone comes to him, he will in no wise cast them out. Jesus will forgive you. He'll cleanse you. You'll be washed from that sin and you will be made whole.
that doesn't mean that you'll just automatically forget you ever had one and never have to deal with that deal with that uh, that stigma. But the good news is the wrath of God that abided on you for that sin will never again come your way. You will be forever free from God's anger, and He will lovingly accept you and adopt you as His child, just as if you had never done that abortion to begin with. And that's the good news of the gospel. And that's where I want to end this new lost liberation. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.